and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Dill and Secretary of State for Housing, Communities and Local Government. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 20. And the case that we have before us this week is unusual in the sense that ultimately the question is, what is a building? The answer seems pretty obvious, but the debate around this subject is surprisingly complex. The subject matter are two lead urns that sit on limestone pedestals and were originally made by the Flemish sculptor John van Nost in the early 1700s. For the first 200 years or so of their life, these urns were based in a historic garden at Rest Park, but since 1939 they have been moved around quite a bit. Most notably for the purposes of this case, they were moved in 1973 to Idlicott House in Warwickshire, by a Major Dill, who was the appellant's father. In 1986, the urns were added to the list of listed buildings per the Town and Country Planning Act 1971, and notice was included in the register of local land charges. However, when the appellant Marcus Dill became the owner of the house in 1993, he was not aware that the urns were on the list. Much later on in 2009, he ended up selling the urns for £55,000 in an auction, When Stratford-on-Avon District Council found out about this in 2015, they wrote to Mr Dill and explained that listed building consent had been required before the urns were removed. Dill's application for retrospective consent was denied in early 2016, and only a couple of months later the council issued a listed building enforcement notice that required both urns to be returned to Idlicott House. Of course, by this point, Dill has shipped the items abroad following the auction and has no idea where in the world they might be. Facing the possibility of a criminal prosecution for breach of a planning enforcement notice, Dill appealed against the Secretary of State for refusal to grant listed building consent. Part of the argument was that the urns were not buildings for the purpose of the Planning Listed Buildings and Conservation Areas Act 1990, commonly known as the Listed Buildings Act. In the first instance, the planning inspector dismissed the appeal and determined that the question of whether or not something has the status of a building is determined by the listing. In other words, if the urns appear on the listing, then that is sufficient to classify them as a building for the purposes of the Act. Both the High Court and the Court of Appeal agreed with this conclusion, and so Dill appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick the case up. The starting point is to look at the actual wording And it is true that a listed building is defined as a building which is included in the list. However, that doesn't change the fact that it does still have to be a building, and the simple inclusion of something on the list doesn't magically turn it into a building. In the broader statutory scheme, a person who is charged with the destruction of a listed building can argue that the thing that was demolished was not actually a building. So it only seems right that someone who is in the position of Mr Dill should be allowed to make the same argument. That brings us back to the ultimate question at the heart of this case. If a building is not simply what is on the list, then how should it be defined? In the context of planning law, the case of Skerritts of Nottingham and Secretary of State for the Environment, Transport and Regions from the year 2000 established a three-part test that looked at the size, permanence and degree of physical attachment of any positive building. In his lead judgment, Lord Carnworth held that the same definition could be applied in the context of the Listed Buildings Act as well. So are the urns buildings or not? 
Well, while Dill was successful in this appeal, the case will ultimately be remitted back to Stratford-on-Avon District Council. They will have to apply the test from Skerritt's to the urns and come to their own decision. Now, just before we move on to our own analysis of this case, I do want to look at another part of the judgment that I think it is important not to overlook. There is a general legal principle at stake here that a person who is affected by a legal measure should have a fair opportunity to challenge it. Simply saying that a building is whatever is on the list undermines that principle and dramatically narrows the scope of any appeal. Whether or not something is a building is a factual question and something that a planning inspector ought to use their expertise to come to a decision on. For my part, I think this was clearly the correct decision by the Supreme Court. Such a narrow and arbitrary definition of a building was neither helpful or practical. A five-year-old child would be able to give a better answer as to what is and is not a building. It will be interesting to see what the ultimate decision in this case is. The fact that the urns have been listed will be a persuasive factor, but remember that a part of the test in Skerritt's is that a building ought to have the quality of permanence, but the urns have been moved around quite a bit since 1939. To be honest, if you ask the average person on the street whether the urns were buildings, they would likely say no, and I think it would be ridiculous if a planning inspector concluded otherwise. There is an argument that this will allow Dill to get away with doing something that he shouldn't have, but that doesn't tell the whole story. The money that was made by selling the urns was used to help restore the Idlicate House property per its listed status. We can probably all agree in a country like ours that buildings of historical significance should be preserved and maintained. But that should not become an excuse for local authorities to take a heavy-handed approach to the rights of private property owners, as happened in this case. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you do get a chance, then I would highly recommend that you sign up for my newsletter. You can do that by visiting uklawweekly.com and putting your email address into the sidebar, and you'll be signed up for the mailing list and get all of the latest updates. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!